You're tuned into Talking That Talk with your relationship super guy, Jason Ortiz, where we boldly discuss the very issues impacting your relationship and your life as a whole. This is unadulterated, unapologetic, and undiluted talk that is needed to enhance your relationship. And here's your host, Jason Ortiz. Hey, greetings, greetings. What's up, everybody? And uh, this is Jason Ortiz with Talking That Talk. Um, so today on the on the podcast, we're going to cover a topic that I think is incredibly important to every family, no matter how situated you think you are or you actually are. But this is something that should still be discussed because this can impact somewhere down the line. And we're talking about the financial repercussions, the financial dynamics, the financial understanding between a couple who's looking for a long-term type of thing like marriage and family, or even if you are married already, right? I want to talk about these things because one of the top things that breaks up relationships is uh, financial misunderstandings, financial drama, financial problems, uh, financial resentment, All these things are incredibly overlooked because people tend to think I work, she works. Uh, I work, she don't work. She works, I don't work. Whatever the situation is, you tend to think that you can figure that out because that's how the cards are dealt. And sometimes it takes a little bit more than this magical idea that things are just going to fall in place. You have to take initiative. So let's talk a little bit about that. Right. So there's this mine, yours, ours idea, right? That sometimes when each spouse works and, you know, they really can't agree on financial issues or they really don't want to find the time to talk about it. They kind of decide, all right, we're going to split the bills down the middle. Uh, let's allocate these bills, uh, according to our financial bringings. And, uh, you know, let's do this in a fair and equitable manner. Once the bills are covered, each spouse, you know, can spend whatever they want on themselves, a little extra lunch with the co-workers or whatever it is, right? Because it sounds like a reasonable plan. And what is not really discussed in those kind of things that sound reasonable is the resentment that somewhat builds over that, right? Let's say one person makes 100 and the other person makes 65, but they both love what they do. So you can't just tell the 65, well, then go make more money. Because that's not the solution to this, right? So what happens is there's a difference in spending power. The division of spending power alters. And when you're married, things should be a little bit different. Now, I'm not saying the person with 100, you know, should give away 20. That's not what this says. Because if you think that, you're already entering the situation completely wrong and you're going to find yourself at the end part of this. Um, But... What this division of spending power does is eliminates much of the financial value of the marriage, as well as the ability to make long-term plans, like, you know, buying a great home and saving up for retirement, you know, uh, paying for entrepreneurship for your children or college or whatever route they want to go, and you want to be very supportive, right? Um, It could lead to such, you know, relationship ruining behavior like financial infidelities where one spouse is now hiding money from the other this arrangement it kind of also pushes down the road any planning and consensus building about high financial burdens 
will be handled if one spouse loses the job, right? Or decides to take a cut back in hours or if hours are cut back against their will. Well, they want to just try something new because they don't like their job, right? Or they leave the workforce in my case. So in a very interesting situation, I decided to take some time away from work to do child care. Um, yes, you know, I still do other things on the side, like teach CPR. I try to do the relationship coaching, although I'm swinging away from that as well. Uh, you know, but continue to write books and do things like that. But one of my income sources, the, the, you know, my primary was I taken a step back from it because I wanted to stay for childcare. And that's something that had to be discussed as well. So those are things you have to take into account. Right. Or what if a family member is incredibly sick and needs hands on care and uh, you may not be able to afford the professionalism that it requires. So you may need to be home. Right. So couples owe it to themselves to have a conversation about these contingencies long before they happen. You see, it's best to be prepared because what I found out is I've made a lot of choices in my journey that wasn't discussed in conversation. I wasn't best prepared for. And then you start chasing debt and you start to chase debt more than you chase dreams. And it's a very unfortunate situation, but we're kind of structured and patterned that way because of societal pressures to buy homes quickly and buy cars quickly and go to school quickly. And even if you're not financially prepared, take out a loan. You'll pay it back when you get that dream job. And those things kind of set us up for failure because now for the rest of your life, you'll be chasing the payback. And you don't get to enjoy as much as you can because you didn't have these conversations. So if you're committed to a relationship, you and your partner owe each other a calm, honest conversation about each other's finances, each other's spending habits, each other's financial goals, and the anxieties about it. How do you feel that we are doing this? How do you feel? A very important question. So this is where your ego and your anxieties about control, right? Uh, the notions of marital roles has to be slapped around a little bit and removed because it doesn't matter if society says, well, one person brings home the bacon and I think that's the old guy term and the other one uh, does the financial mapping and whatever it is, you know your strengths and weaknesses and you have to work with your partner in that setting. In my setting situation, I kind of believe that maybe I was the guy that spent a little more uh, reckless in this relationship with me and my wife and she's more the planner. She has these charts and graphs in the house and and these uh, whiteboards with plans and uh, four-year plans and five-year plans. And, you know, I, I absolutely think it's great because I don't think I'd be able to settle that in on my own because I might get sidetracked and then, you know, throw a couple thousand where I shouldn't. So you have to know your strengths and weaknesses and come together as a union, right? I think that that's where we kind of slip. So if debt is an issue... You know, as a couple, you can employ various tools and strategies to start paying off debt to get like a, a stronger financial footing. It takes some sacrifice. But the fact of the matter is you made some decisions that got you where you are. College, like me, student debt is the most wickedest trap that you can get caught in, especially if, you know, the debt doesn't, the debt outweighs the reward. 
at least within the five, 10 year period. If it does, it's just, it just feels wrong. Right. And that can give a, that could give a stressful toll when you're talking about finances and then you find out you could be in debt, 10,000, a hundred thousand. I've heard stories today. uh, Someone told me about their friend is $500,000 in student loan debt. And, um, you know, that, that, that can weigh heavy on you and it can destroy you emotionally and mentally and your partner should understand how that makes you feel and why you may not want to discuss it all the time or those type of things right so be very forthcoming with it with your anxieties that are attached to that but you should have the conversation no matter what and then couples should communicate their expectations and ideas about how to how to you know how to come about these uh how to come about these debt paying solutions you have to come up as a union you know couples have trouble talking about money can seek out help they have financial advisors and planners and the dave ramseys of the world and all these other people you know i think that uh don't let money ruin your home you know you're bigger than that having conflicting money values is also big right because i for one never really valued money um, except for the fact that I believe that everyone should have it and being rich is important. Other than that, I, you know, a dollar is just a dollar and I never really cared too much, you know, and if I like it, I buy it kind of, uh, kind of foolishness that I've lived with for quite some time. And, you know, if I'm out with my friends, I feel like it's without say we want to get drunk first rounds on me kind of thing without thinking about the long-term repercussions of these actions you can put yourself in debt i was in a credit card you know badacle before and uh thankfully i paid it all off and cleared that but and it, it, it weighs heavy on you you know so you don't want to add to those things like gambling or you know, I mean, investing is great, but you have to come up with a plan that a certain amount of monies is allocated towards your debt. A certain amount of monies is allocated towards the value of living is food. And if you have children, you have to take that into account. Um, and then if there isn't any type of investment plan, you have to come up with that together. And even if only one really wants to do that, you have to explain that. Right. I think that's wise. Right. It could be school loans, car loans, credit cards, gambling habits, whatever your debt is. That is a financial baggage. And when someone marries you, they marry into that baggage. If it was individually before or during your team. Right. You want to make sure that, you know, whatever the laws state about those baggages that came into the relationship before they became legally unionized, before you became a married unit, um, you're together now. Even if only one can afford or or if, you know, one makes more or one makes less, you want to make sure that uh, you're both on the same page about how it's tackled so much more than who's tackling. You should be tackling together, right? The personality plays a big role in discussions and habits about money, right? Even if both partners are debt free, still spenders or savers are spenders and there are savers, right? So even if you become debt-free, will you fall into debt again because you're a spender? So these are different personalities that you have to have with understanding money, which I've had to learn the hard way. So those are things you have to take care of too, right? Some people are natural savers. Some of them, uh, 
you know, have been looked at as cheapskates. But they kind of had a plan and you just wasn't aware because you were a big spender. You know, you like to make the statement. You may take pleasure in shopping and buying. I know I sure as hell did at one time. I kind of enjoyed that. And then you rack up debt mindlessly. And it doesn't feel well. Some people are natural investors. And they have a a great daily satisfaction for future self-sufficiency, right? So those are things that you have to find out who you are. Are you a saver? Are you a spender? Are you an investor? And if you are a spender, you have to take care of that. And if you are a saver, are you a saver because you're going to utilize this for something that benefits the home? Are you just afraid to be a spender? And then understand where you stand in that position. If you're an investor, uh, are you just investing in everything? Are you investing wisely? These are things you have to talk to yourself about and talk to your partner about, right? So then there's these power plays where one partner feels like, you know, uh, I'm going to run this ship and not allow you to have full understanding of what's going on with the money and how it's being allocated. That's wrong. Both partners should be aware, even if one is... One's personality is a spender and one's personality is a saver or investor. The spender should be fully aware where the investor or spender of the relationship is allocating the funds, even though they're the more responsible one. The lesser responsible one should be aware. So then that way they can have some type of personality shift to hopefully become more responsible. Being aware of what's happening with the money does help the other person. So don't try to take it upon yourself because that can be incredibly stressful as well. Do you have children? Because the average cost of raising one child, and this is just an average cost, uh, is about a quarter of a million dollars per child from birth to the age of 18. And, you know, this is just a, a basic average of food, clothing, shelter, uh, you know, the basics. Right, the United States Department of Agri- Agriculture determined what these values would be. Right, they didn't. There's things they left out. You know, uh, your child might have grown faster and went through more clothes or whatever it is. Right, but the average cost is a quarter of a million dollars. If you have two children, that's half a million. Three children, four children, one million dollars you've spent on the basics. Not on the extracurriculars, because there's a lot of other things you could be doing. Putting your kids in these nice programs that help them learn to code and play baseball and basketball and dance and and boxing and karate and all these things supersede that number. So the average is about a quarter of a million dollars. Those are things you have to take into financial account when you're planning out something too, right? Of course, kids aren't just about the, the cost of money and all that. I mean... When you really think about it, there's time that is put into parenting that may shift whatever amount of monies you were used to having, right? Because you may not have been able to, you may not no longer be able to put that much amount of time into making more money because you have to put time into your children. Those are things that you have to think about. You can't have magical thinking, right? Where where you think results are going to come and you just don't plan. When it comes to finances, uh, you have to have a plan. One of the most undervalued yet important reasons to work on a financial planner is to force couples to develop a plan together and at minimum review it annually. 
annually. Sorry about that. Uh, you want to make sure that at least every year you guys sit down and go over the complete plan. Three or four times a year is a lot better. You want to sit down every three months and maybe say, you know what, maybe for every four months and say, all right, let's see where we're at with our plan. Right. If you discuss it every day, it can get tiring. It can get stressful um, when there's not a lot moving. The needle's not moving so fast. Uh, it can it could break you down. So you want to just have a plan, work within the plan and then check every once in a while. I don't know if you want to hammer it in every day because that really doesn't help anybody. Right. Some people have some of the individual pieces of the finances in order, but then they forget where to put the other pieces because they don't have a plan. So usually couples who don't have a plan don't really have a chance of meeting their full goals. So try to have a plan. The do-it-yourself approach is cute, but it doesn't always work. Uh, you know, couples who improve their attitudes about money and their communication, they truly can overcome debt and they truly can get the life that they want. Some finances, you know, are the biggest cause of stress. You know, um, I believe the American Psychological Association found that 76 to 86% of Americans see money as a source of stress in their lives. And stress is a major cause of disease. Improving financial literacy also has an added benefit of improving your health. So knowing how to maneuver your money, knowing how to appreciate your money can actually help you live longer. So when people say things like, oh, yeah, you know, he has a he he's he's so muscular and fit because he has the money to eat better and to do better. But also money, his understanding of money might be relieving him of the stress that is continuously pounded on those that are struggling. Right. So there's other ways to look at that. So when although people try to say money is the root of all evil, I think not understanding money, not understanding money. Maybe the route to your early demise health-wise, right? So let's, let's take all these things into account. And, you know, I'm learning on my uh, in this journey of life that financial plan kind of is the way to go. And I'm just sharing that with everybody because right now we have a financial plan on, mm -hmm. on some things and how to maneuver things. So um, don't slip, man. I'd like to see everybody come up with their own financial and you can always look it up in these programs or Googles and, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to recommend anyone because um, I don't know who's the best out there per se. But there's a lot of people out there with some good financial plans and yours have to be individualized for your situation and your home. Don't follow someone else's plan because it worked for them because they may be on a different path. Right. You want to recognize and identify you and your partner's path. So hopefully this was helpful, man. I usually don't make these podcasts this long. Usually a little shorter than this, but I felt like this was really important. And I wanted to make sure we kind of, you know, dig it into your skulls this time. So um, hopefully this was helpful. And, you know, you always can leave me a message if you need to. Uh, talking at Talk with Jason Ortiz. And I'll see you in the next podcast, man. Have an amazing time.